Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today's Monday, September 20th. There are natural hazards like flooding, like hurricanes, like fires. But what makes a hazard disastrous is the way people prepare and the way people respond. That was Washington Post climate and science reporter Sarah Kaplan. Sarah joins me later to talk about climate change preparedness in the U.S. We'll dig into that a little later on. But first, your morning headlines. We began in Del Rio, Texas, where the port of U.S. entry has been temporarily closed after 15,000 mostly Haitian migrants were found camping under a bridge. According to the Border Patrol chief, Raul Ortiz, more than 3,000 of those migrants have already been moved to planes for deportation or placed in detention centers. He says his team is working around the clock to get people out safely and expects them all to be moved in a couple of weeks. At a press conference on Sunday, the Border Patrol chief was asked why Del Rio suddenly became such a magnet for migrants. They say the community uh, across the border in Acuna is relatively safe. And so uh, traditionally it's because of word of mouth. Um, uh, Certainly what happened this time is that number uh, doubled and then tripled relatively quickly. Next to COVID, with schools now fully in session across the country and the highly transmissible Delta variant still surging in many states, thousands of children have been forced to quarantine after exposure. But a growing number of school districts are deciding to try something new to keep more students in the classroom. The districts are turning to an approach known as test to stay or modified quarantine. The protocol allows students who were exposed to the virus to keep attending school as long as they take frequent COVID tests and test negative. So far, districts in at least two states have a modified version of the test to stay protocol in place, including Utah and Georgia. Districts in another five states have plans or are working on plans to soon join them. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has not yet signed on to the plan, though, saying that they neither recommend nor endorse the strategy. They added that they're working with jurisdictions who use the approach to gather more information. 
As schools grapple with COVID, the big question has been when to expect vaccines for kids. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, speaking on ABC's This Week, says he expects to be able to evaluate vaccine safety and efficacy for children ages 5 to 11 sometime this fall. A historic drought caused by climate change has made this year a challenging one for firefighters in California. According to the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, the state has seen more than 7,000 wildfires this year. Those fires have destroyed over 3,000 homes, burning over 3,000 square miles in their paths. Fires forced the evacuation of the Sequoia National Park last week, home to some of the world's oldest and biggest trees. Among them stands the General Sherman tree, the largest tree in the world. The National Weather Service issued a red flag warning yesterday saying that wind gusts and low humidity created conditions for rapid wildfire spread. The General Sherman tree and several others had their bases wrapped in aluminum foil on Friday to protect them against the flames. While giant sequoias are adapted to fire, the uncontrollable nature and intensity of this particular fire could overwhelm the trees. Fire officials have said they do not know the fate of the General Sherman tree at this point. When it comes to climate change, the U.S. has experienced a summer like none before. Fires raging in the West were so severe, the East suffered from the smoke. Massive flooding washed away homes, cars, and lives. Hurricanes left devastation and destruction in their wake. Are we prepared for this new reality? We'll dig into that with Washington Post climate and science reporter Sarah Kaplan in today's Daily Deep Dive. Hey, Sarah, welcome. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with the reality of extreme weather that we're facing right now. You had a recent article where you cited nearly one in three Americans are hit by a weather disaster in just the past three months. What kinds of extreme weather are Americans facing and what's really the scope of the problem? We are seeing this summer, maybe more than ever before, that there is really no place that has not experienced the effects of climate change and the extreme impacts that it brings. I mean, we saw Hurricane Ida, which caused devastation from Louisiana and Mississippi all the way to the Northeast. And then, of course, the fires that now have become a yearly occurrence all up and down and throughout the West. There's been these really horrific heat waves. I actually am living in Portland this summer, and so I experienced the heat wave in the Northwest, and more than 200 Americans died from the heat. And that's often, you know, not something people think about as a disaster, but heat is actually one of the deadliest forms of weather. So just pretty much everywhere you look, there was an extreme weather impact. And when we looked at the FEMA disaster declarations, we found that the number of counties covered by at least one FEMA disaster declaration in the past three months are home to one in three Americans, which really just indicates the scope of the problem. Is the U.S. prepared to deal with these climate emergencies? And if not, how do we even go about preparing? I mean, I think you can see from the number of lives that were lost and the amount of destruction that's happened that the country is not prepared. Both the physical and the social infrastructure, experts tell me, is really vulnerable to these kinds of extreme events. And part that makes sense because the nature of these events that they're constantly record-breaking means that they've never happened before and our systems weren't built to deal with them. But on the other hand, the scientists have told us over and over again that climate change was going to bring more extreme weather. 
And so, you know, experts say if we want to minimize the damage that comes from these extremes, there are a lot of things that need to be done to prepare for them. Flooding has been an enormous issue, not just in the U.S., but globally. From a science perspective, why are we seeing so much more and frequent flooding recently? Flooding happens for a variety of reasons. It happens for both weather reasons based on the qualities of the place where that rain is falling, right? So we know that climate change has made the kinds of weather events that lead to flooding more frequent and more extreme. When the atmosphere is warmer, it can physically hold more moisture. So that means that like a given rainstorm is just going to have more precipitation in it. And so more precipitation is going to fall. And we saw that with like Hurricane Harvey in 2017, there was 15% more rainfall from that storm scientists have found because of climate change. But then the other thing is that the way a city is built or a community is built, the topography of an area can really dictate whether that extreme rainfall turns into something like a flash flood. And we've seen, you know, like what happened in the Northeast after Hurricane Ida is that when places are paved over and there's not a lot of opportunity for the ground to absorb all of that rainwater, the water just washes over and causes these like really fast moving flash floods where like a basement will fill up in less than an hour. And so all of these circumstances together are what lead to destructive flooding. We had on the Recount Daily pod here, Kathy Bachman-McLeod from the Adrian Arsh Center at the Atlantic Council. And Kathy is part of a group pushing to have heat waves named. And we know there's now a heat officer in Miami who's overseeing that. What is it about heat that's made people more aware of just how deadly it might be? Heat has always been a very underappreciated weather threat. Heat waves aren't even declared as disasters in the way that hurricanes or fires or floods are. But heat is incredibly difficult for the human body to handle. You very quickly can progress from feeling kind of lightheaded and dehydrated to having your organs just stop working because your cells are starting to overheat and break down. I think the other lesson is that our communities are not really built to help us deal with heat. You think about how their scientists have identified this thing that they call the urban heat island effect, where pavement and all of these like dark, hard surfaces that you see in cities really traps heat and can make temperatures 10 degrees hotter than they would be in like a nearby park, for example. You know, even buildings are often built to they're difficult to adequately ventilate. And all of these things can really mean the difference between a really uncomfortable day and a deadly day for people. So my hope is that people are starting to understand like, wow, this can be really hard on my body and I need to be prepared because definitely the lesson of this summer is that everywhere is going to experience extreme heat and everywhere has to be prepared. What do you think that cities and states could do to better equip themselves in dealing with extreme weather from heat to flooding? Are there any cities that are more proactive than others? There are definitely some cities that are more proactive. Actually, one of the most interesting things that I learned about in my reporting on heat is that Philadelphia has what's considered like one of the best heat warning systems and response systems in the country. They have this ro really robust protocol where they send out early warnings and they even broadcast the temperature on the highest, tallest building in the city. And they have a 24-hour hotline that's staffed by nurses helping answer questions. And then they have this system of like volunteers and block captains who literally go out across the city 
They have a list of vulnerable people that they need to check on and they just go door to door and make sure everyone's aware and they check on people. One lesson from heat waves is that almost always the people who suffer the most are those who live alone. And like deaths are often those who live alone because they don't have anyone checking on them, right? As they start to go from, I don't feel so good to their body, their organs are no longer functioning. No one is there to notice the difference to call 911. Literally having neighbors check on neighbors is so important. And Philadelphia has developed a really good system for doing that, that experts have, who've done analyses say that it saves like 45 lives on average every summer. We're going to pause, take a quick break, and we'll be back with Washington Post climate and science reporter Sarah Kaplan on the Recount Daily Pod. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. I'm here with Washington Post climate and science reporter Sarah Kaplan talking about climate change and preparedness. You know, the Biden administration has included some really specific policies to try and tackle climate change in this reconciliation bill. They're now negotiating it in Congress. Do you have a sense of what's being discussed here, Sarah? 
in this $3.5 billion trillion <laughs> reconciliation bill, there's a whole host of proposals, like you said. I think the biggest one from a mitigating greenhouse gas emissions front is this clean energy standard, which would start to transition the way that the U.S. produces power away from fossil fuels, which are the leading cause of climate change. Um, and to renewable energy sources. And a report just came out from the Department of Energy that found that the U.S. could produce as much as 45% of its power with solar power alone um, if we you know, made the investments and the resources and put the resources in. And, and the infrastructure bill and the reconciliation package has you know a host of other things from tax credits for renewables and EVs to funding to help build resilience in communities. You know, it's still very much up in the air. There's a lot of political hurdles between where things are now. Democrats are starting to write out the exact text of the legislation, and it's still not clear whether or not they have the votes to pass it. So it will be interesting to see what happens in the weeks to come. There are some places in the U.S. that are constantly experiencing flooding. New Orleans comes to mind. Miami is another city where they're basically running pumps 24-7 to keep seawater from overwhelming the city. Is there a point where science tips the balance and people say, we've got to get out of this place? Who should make that call to? Is that a government citywide issue or do people just stay until they realize they're in over their heads, literally? That is a really difficult issue, right? Because you know, cities are not just cities, they're people's homes. There's a bunch of policies that states have started using to try to maybe motivate people to think about relocating if they live in an extremely vulnerable area. So you see often after major hurricanes that people can get bought out by the government and basically paid to not go back to the house where they lived if the house is in like an incredibly vulnerable area. We're also seeing that the National Flood Insurance Program has introduced new climate-informed calculations so that now the risk of flooding from climate change is going to be part of the calculus of, of people's flood insurance policies. And that's going to raise the cost of living in a floodplain that might also motivate people to move. I think it is very difficult and fraught for anyone to say, you can't go back to your home. I talked to Craig Fugate, who's the head of FEMA under President Obama. He also ran the emergency management division in Florida under Jeb Bush. He's considered one of the top people in this business on a sort of nonpartisan way. And he was saying that there's a saying in emergency management that there are actually no natural disasters. All disasters are man-made. There are natural hazards like flooding, like hurricanes, like fires. But what makes a hazard disastrous is the way people prepare and the way people respond. The bigger lesson is that like everywhere is going to experience some level of impacts. And so everywhere should think about how do you make those impacts livable and survivable and make sure that the hazard that's increasing doesn't become a disaster. There have been a lot of gloomy reports on climate change, one from the IPCC. I know you're familiar with that report. What can you tell us? Yeah. So the report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change that came out this past August found basically that everything scientists have been saying about climate change for years, still true, even more true. The planet is warmer than it's been in millennia. The levels of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere 
are higher than they've been at least in the past 800,000 years. We are in an unprecedented era, extreme weather impacts of heat, of drought, and it's going to get worse. There's a very linear relationship between the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere and how hot the planet becomes and then how much worse the climate impacts become. But the other really powerful thing that I think is really important for people to remember is that the fact that that linear relationship exists means that like every ton of carbon that does not go into the atmosphere, every effort towards mitigation that we undertake will make the future a little bit better than it could have been. So I think that the thing to remember is that there's no point at which taking action on climate change becomes pointless because every single degree, every tenth of a degree counts. Sarah, I know you've got this great climate change beat at a great newspaper at the Washington Post, but how do you not get depressed? Because so many people get depressed thinking about climate change. There's even a term for it. It's called climate despair. What's your advice and how do you deal with it? Yeah, it is upsetting, right? And I think I really struggle a lot with the knowledge that every day in which nothing is done to mitigate greenhouse gases and to adapt to the changes that have already happened, in my mind, it equates to human suffering, right? It equates to someone drowning in their basement apartment, like we saw in New York. It equates to someone losing their house in a fire, And the impacts are even worse in many other places. Inevitably, like every hazard of any kind that we see, whether it's COVID or climate, the most vulnerable people suffer the most. And often the people who contributed the least to climate change are the ones who are going to experience the worst impacts. And all of that is like, it's sad, makes me angry. It's unfair. But I think that the thing that I have to tell myself over and over again is, you know, the science really does show that every single bit counts, right? Every effort to make sure that there are less greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, that we emit less, is going to make the future a little bit better. Because even if it's only making a small difference, like that small difference is still valuable. Well, while it is depressing, it is such an important topic to be educated on and constantly changing. I want to thank you so much, Washington Post climate and science reporter, Sarah Kaplan. Thanks, Sarah. And now to the look ahead. Here's what else we're watching. Today marks the beginning of Climate Week NYC. The annual event is hosted by the international nonprofit Climate Group and will include a mix of in-person and virtual sessions. The goal of the event is to showcase the latest climate action taking place around the world and also discuss how to do more in the fight against climate change. Interested listeners can find out more at climateweeknyc.org. Well, keep your eyes on the sky tonight. NASA says that peak illumination of the harvest moon will be tonight at 7.55 p.m. Eastern. The harvest moon is the last full moon of the summer, lasting three days, and leading into the first day of fall. The name harvest moon comes from farmers who worked by the light of the moon to finish their harvest of summer crops. Today marks the 48th anniversary of Billie Jean King beating Bobby Riggs in the epic tennis match known as Battle of the Sexes. The competition was the most watched tennis game of all time, with an estimated 90 million people tuning in. Retired tennis player Bobby Riggs had challenged King to a $100,000 winner-take-all match. The game was viewed as a significant milestone for women's rights. Billie Jean King 
who has fought for women's rights most of her career, had created the Women's Tennis Association earlier that summer. She also threatened to boycott the U.S. Open unless men and women were paid equally. She got her wish. King continues to advocate for equal pay for all, regardless of gender or race. This is a Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. Our thanks to Sarah Kaplan for being on the show. And if you like this episode, I hope you'll subscribe to The Recount Daily Pod. Leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Ninen. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.